Hey everyone, it's Michael and welcome back to this episode of Elevate Retake. We are in the middle of a series called Rethinking Church and we are dissecting the message, Dear Church, Keep It Up, right here on Elevate Retake. Today on our podcast, I'm excited to introduce to you two new voices that you have not heard before that are part of our community and actively involved in our Elevate lead team. Okay, hi guys, I'm Beatriz. I go to Swawu and I just finished my first year there and I kind of help with Elevate a little bit sometimes, so yeah. I am um, Eden Samaniego. I just graduated high school and yes, woohoo. <laughs> and now I'm going to Swawu and yeah. Now that you've met Beatriz and Eden, here's where we're headed. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter one, verses two, through 10. And we're going to look at some encouraging words that Paul had to share with the church in Thessalonica. If you haven't listened to the message already, you can go back and do that. It'll help frame our conversation a little bit more. But today we're diving into that passage. We're going to look at what it means to live and love in our community, the importance of personal Christian living, how we live authentic lives that portray who Jesus is. And I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. So without further ado, here's our conversation from Elevate Retake this week. I'll go back to you, Beatrice. What makes you who you are? <laughs> Whoa. Now we're going to go into this. go deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of just like, what do you do? What do you like? Like, what makes you who you are? Can we ask this to Eden first and then come back to me? Man. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I would have answered this question differently if you had asked me a couple of years ago or whatever. But now what makes me who I am is my relationship to Jesus. Um, and that kind of like whole world that's opened up from discovering the Bible and just rediscovering the Bible. And so, yeah, I'm like diehard Jesus fan. Eden was ready for that. Like, yeah. He, Sorry, that's why. <laughs> sit in the parking lot before he came in. Like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, I'm like, is it okay to say I'm like not sure? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Honest. At this point in time, I'm like not sure. Because like I would like say like my actions or like my intentions, but like, but like I don't really, I don't really know. You're still figuring it out. Yes. Cool. We're, we're figuring it out over here. Okay. Thank you for being honest. Eden just made his up. But thank you for being honest. <laughs> totally kidding. <laughs> no. All right. So we are talking today about the message that I preached most recently called mm -hmm. Dear Church, Keep It Up. And it's covering 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. Um, and I'd love to know y'all's thoughts on that. Like, What stuck out to you? What you disagreed with? What you agreed with? First of all, I did not know that you like made titles. Like for your sermon. <laughs> really? I mean, like I always see, like rethink like I always see like the theme or like the sermon series name. But I didn't know that you like you like Yeah. Did you say your title in you the don't thing? Say, I didn't. I think I, yeah, I didn't think so. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, it's in fun. it's in written form and it goes up on YouTube and it's in our podcast feed, but no, that's cool. Sometimes the the theme is like, you know, in the movie where it gets to the part of like, oh, that's why they called it like, yeah, like the, the, yeah. the actor says the line or like, the oh, that makes sense. But sometimes it fits in and sometimes it, do it doesn't. And this week, actually, I there was going to be a hermeneutical tool, not a homiletical tool, mm. a preaching tool that I was going to use, but I dropped it oh. like day what? of. 
what, what was it? So after each section, so in the message, I went through like each verse mm-hmm. and I was going to say at like when I concluded it, dear church, keep it up. Cause that's like mm. kind of what Paul is, oh. is telling to the church. Like a rhythm to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just nice. kind of like dear church, keep it up. But, but you I dropped it. I dropped it. Yeah. For what, for what reason? I just wasn't feeling it. Hey. Like in the I've, moment? That's yeah. How it, sometimes. I, it was, I had thought about it and then I, I, well, I think what happened is I didn't write it down. Mm-hmm. And I got onto some other things. And I actually, I felt like it came out better than to to do that. Hmm. Sometimes I use homilical tools. Sometimes I don't. It's no, that's cool. Kinda... Yeah, just experimenting with what, what you yeah. want. That's cool. Yeah. Um, no, I thought it was really good. I thought it was very um, sequential, like the, the the moving from subject to subject. It, it made sense. Um, and I feel like the overall, you know, appeal was very, it was, it was cohesive. Mm-hmm. What do, you, yeah. what do you think, Beatrice? I mean, I feel like you asked a lot of questions, and then I was like, "Whoa!" Like, <laughs> the questions were very good, though. Okay. Like the the one that stuck out to me the most was like, "Is Adventism a joyful denomination?" And I was like, mm. "Oh, ooh, mm. ooh." What did you answer? For, did you do the Slido? Did you answer that? Oh yeah, well the Slido thing was pretty confusing. I was surprised at how many no's there were. I put no. I think I like interpreted wrong. I don't know. For which one? Uh, the, 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 the gospel presentation doesn't produce joy. It's not truly good news. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. At, at first, I was like, maybe they under- misunderstood the questioning because I mm-hmm. thought it would be an obvious yes, like mm-hmm. joy comes with the gospel. But mm-hmm. the more that I actually talked to people, the more that they were like, no, like I actually disagree, and like that that was just very surprising. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I took it as, like, is the gospel always, like, joyful? Like, is it all, like, full of joy? And I was like, well, no, because there's, like, the realistic me. I'm like, no, there's, like, it's not a great, I mean, like, it is a great story, but there are bad things that happened in it, and it's, like, not all joyful. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no. That's why I put no. But then as somebody was like, how, why were there so many no's? And I was like, oh. Yeah. Maybe there's, like, a misconception with what joy is, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, by, by joy, do you just mean, like, being happy all the time? I guess, yeah. I mean, I, was, I don't know. Just like, I mean, yeah. Wait, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What, like, what, what does joy mean to you? Like, what? How do you define that? Man, I'm, I'm gonna pass it to Michael. What do you What do you think joy <laughs> is? What does you mean by joy? So, I think from a, a biblical perspective, joy is a more than just a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a state of living. Mm. So it's knowing that no matter what comes my way, there is someone greater and bigger looking after my needs and I can live from a state of joy, knowing that God is looking after my life. And that leads me not Mm. necessarily just to happiness. I think joy includes happiness, Mm -hmm. but joy is a satisfaction from life that stems from beyond just a material, like I have what I need. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I think that sometimes... I think the people that answered no were probably like misconstruing like joy as a perspective to mm-hmm. joy as a feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that yeah, yeah. most people would disagree that the gospel does not always come with happiness. A defi- happiness. You're not, <laughs> yeah, you're not yeah, yeah. like how following Jesus is yeah. hard work and like it's a lot of different um, ups and downs. But like the joy, per- the joyful perspective it should come alongside with mm-hmm. good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I wanted, to, I wanted to wade into that and ask that question. And it was telling to me because I asked the question and I paused for a moment and you could hear like, yeah. everybody's like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think we have to wrestle with that, right? Because yeah. like, what what's the point of being a Christian or being a Seventh-day Adventist if it doesn't include joy? Like, yeah. why would you want to walk around living a depressed, like non-satisfied life? No, you're right. And I think that that question of like, what like if it doesn't produce or join them like what is it for it's almost 
can almost be seen of like teeter tottering on like um like prosperity gospel kind of mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like some you can go that way with it yeah and then just go like straight um prosperity goes i don't want to fully describe it but yeah. like you know what i mean like you're like man well that's yeah. why that's why i think joy is bigger than simply mm-hmm. being satisfied with material needs because mm-hmm. prosperity gospel says name it and claim it you're going to have all of your physical needs met mm-hmm. basically that's yeah. a very overgeneralization but kind of the basis of it but the joy from the holy spirit which paul is unequivocal about saying that yes. the gospel preached to the church in thessalonia Thessalonica, the Thessalonian church, mm-hmm. uh, that they experience joy through the Holy Spirit because of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was a really good question of like, is Adventism a joyful thing? Because I think a lot of us grow up with this. I don't know. Adventism has a lot of stigmas that come with it. You know what I mean? And yeah. Especially if you grow up in the church, you grow up around this stuff. And joyful is not maybe the first word that people yeah. think of when yeah. they think of the Adventist church. And like, I think sometimes like I think like this is when we work and then like when we go to heaven is when we'll like be like like this is where Uh, we put in the hard work right now mm. like it's not always easy but you know you're doing it and then then joy comes like when you go to heaven Mm -hmm. which i now know like like and now like thinking through it and i'm like no like part of the pro like the process can be joyful like part of like being here even though it is hard yeah you can still be joyful but yeah yeah Yeah, there's going to be a greater joy that we will Mm -hmm. experience one day when the when the earth is made new but that doesn't mean that we can't experience joy now. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that wrestle with lack of assurance of salvation. Like, am I going to make it or not? And that's depressing. Um, Just the sheer grossness of life. Mm. And we wrestle with, like there's things that happen in life that are not fun. We lose jobs. We lose family members. Um, Somebody says something nasty to us in person or on the internet or something like that. Like, it's just not, it can sound trite, but it, it's not fun. But how do we experience joy in the midst of that? And I think a true understanding of the gospel will produce joy in our hearts despite everything that goes on around us. Yeah. And I also thought it was really interesting because like going back and over and reading the verse, it's like, you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of this like mm-hmm. juxtaposition between suffering and joy yeah. and like being joyful in the midst of suffering. Yeah. And like the Thessalonian church was very much like persecution, like straight up. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's on like a different level and yet they're known. He's like calling them out for their joy. Yeah. And that's just very like, what a model. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that's yeah. the whole thing. It's like, what, what a model of faith in the midst of suffering. To have a it's not just enough for the church building to be in a community. It's not enough. We can slap down some bricks and some mortar and uh, put up a sign and say, hey, here we are. It's not just enough for for us to be in the community. We have to be integrated inside of that community. What does that look like for us? It can look different for you than perhaps it does for us. And I think we're always in, in motion. We're always evolving. As our community grows, we grow. As our community shifts, we shift. And we have to find out where we are in the midst of all that. And as we are in the community, it's not just enough to be there, but perhaps we get to set the example of what loving our neighbor looks like. I love how Mr. Rogers depicts that. Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, everyone's welcome in the neighborhood. The neighborhood is a safe place to be. How are we as a church making sure our neighborhoods, our communities are safe places and setting the example for what it looks like to love our neighbor? 
I, I'm, I'm reading Dallas Willard's um, The Spirit of Disciplines, and I'm, I'm going into kind of like that whole body of literature of like, like there's practices mm-hmm. in the Christian life of like things that you do that that were modeled by Jesus and by Paul and these Christians that 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 prayer is one of them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of rediscovering prayer in a way that like like why do you think that is? Like why has prayer been overlooked in our community in that way? Ooh. That's a good question. What do you think, see? I mean, we have a prayer list, do we? Well, like, we? do you think that we as a like what is prayer? <laughs> like fundamentally, <laughs> like define like step it. it back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like what? What do you think prayer is, and why? Why has it? Because like I think when we think of prayer, the the common thing is like, well, it's a conversation with God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's what we're kind of told, like like in the new kind of thing is like, hey, you just like talk to God. Doesn't matter how, doesn't matter when, just do it, and that's prayer. Yeah, and you're doing it. Do you think mm-hmm. it goes deeper than that? Do you think that there's there's different levels? I like wonder if when the people were like right, like were like taking the poll and were thinking about like that they didn't feel like people prayed for them. I wonder if they were also like kind of thinking like they, they didn't think that people were thinking of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, because like sometimes when I like pray for people, it's not necessarily like, dear Jesus, I pray for this person today. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm like thinking about it. Like, you know, I, like, cause yeah. I just like internally think about them. like think about them through my day, like talking to God about them, not necessarily like in like a prayer, but like just as I go about. And I'm like, I wonder if those people were thinking like, I don't think that, enough people like think about me or like I don't think people think about me enough or like you know yeah I think that that could be that's probably one approach there's definitely people that would think that um I think fundamentally at its core I think our community in in large part wrestles with how we connect with one another Mm. so elevate the community fellowship that it is the kind of church within a church Mm. is relatively young yeah and Mm. it has a great turnover of it, it serves a, a college campus, mm-hmm. which means that every four years you have a brand new set of people that are coming in. That's true. And it's largely supported by an older demographic of our community who's like 40, 50 years mm-hmm. old type of thing, like parents of the college kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mom and dad. Hello. <laughs> yeah, your parents were there. <laughs> and so um, the, the like, where's the, the connecting point, right? Mm. And so is it possible for me to pray for Eden if I don't know what's going on in Eden's life? Mm. like yes right i could be yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, god yeah. bless you didn't like all that but, but i see what you're saying like, like do i know what's going on in your life so you think it's yeah. a lack of community that aspect mm-hmm. i think i think that's kind of normal like not normal um normal in our culture do you know what yeah. I mean? like this conservative like it's texas we're conser- we're in a conservative society that we're very like individualistic yeah and i think that sometimes i'm gonna go do my thing yeah you're gonna go do your thing yeah mm-hmm. like mind your own business yeah. like i'm gonna do my own thing um and I think that theologically that, that causes us to kind of ignore the horizontal aspect of salvation mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. focus very much on the vertical. So like we're going to push individual prayer, individual Bible studies, go do it. Your relationship with God is right. like make a decision. But the, the horizontal thing that's maybe maybe exemplified in different sort of political climates or, or social climates, um, that's that's kind of overlooked. And I think that that's mm-hmm. the community aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. the growing together. Yeah. 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 So, what what do you think you can do about that? Like, how do we how do we change that? Uh, I'm through a number of things. We so in our in our corporate gathering, um, we've put an a, a, an emphasis on, and we've fallen off a little bit because you know, as you emphasize one thing, it de-emphasizes something else. Sure. Just not intentionally. It just happens. At the beginning of this um, uh, year, we took our prayer time during our community gathering and said, "Hey, we want to pray for specific people, or have people turn to their neighbors and pray for each other." Um, and I think that that has 
bolstered that a little bit. I'd be mm-hmm. curious to see like what the results would be now. We're going to go through that survey process again in the fall. So mm-hmm. it's like a yearly thing. So cool. we kind of keep track of that. Uh, and the other thing that we've been talking about in our lead team is like, how do we get people together outside of the worship gathering? Yes. So the worship yeah. gathering is often, um, there's this stage versus audience mm-hmm. dynamic mm-hmm. and those that are up on stage, they're the ones that get to interact and to be a part. Yeah. Very structured. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so how do we in our worship gathering break down that wall? And we yeah. try to be a little bit more engaged and mm-hmm. interactive, hence the Slido poll and, you know, and sure, some sure. of the stuff that we kind of get to poke fun at each other and, and, and laugh. And, but also kind of like, oh, wow, this is what the community believes. Mm-hmm. But then outside of that, outside of the worship gathering, how do we produce community? We're still trying to track that, crack that code. We don't, mm. we don't have any, we don't have any solid answers yet. Yeah. So I have something. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you talked about like, is it genuine Christianity or empty religion? And I was mm-hmm. like, bruh, like what? Because mm. then I was thinking about like, like I feel like for me, a lot of times I have like good intentions, but I feel like it gets like lost in how I like express those. Which mm-hmm. you were talking about like how you how do you express your love? And I was like, huh, mm-hmm. how do I express it? And is it effective? Because it's like, does it really matter if I have good intentions if the way that I express them aren't like, if, if I'm not expressing them with love? Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean, and I feel like that's what a lot of people like struggle with. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like people generally do have good intentions, but like the way that they express them aren't like, the most effective because they're not they don't like come lovingly you know what i mean like mm-hmm. whenever you whenever i would get like constructive criticism like <laughs> I, which i have and then well obviously i have everyone has but like i feel like the difference between me actually taking it to heart and thinking about it and not becoming defensive was because it was like portrayed to me like very kind and i knew that they were coming from place of like love and they wanted to help me instead yeah. of like i'm yeah. gonna like nitpick and like this is what you're yeah. doing wrong you know I think too often, though, that just general criticism is under the guise of constructive criticism. Because mm. if I say, like, <laughs> I'm saying this because I love you. Oh, yeah. And then you, like, true. beat the person down, you know? Yeah. So I think I, I wrestle with that. Um, yeah. How do, how, do, how, do we, how do we live in community with people that we maybe disagree with or see, mm-hmm. like, wow, Eden, like, you need to get it together in this area. Yeah. But then how to express that in, in love? And I think that's why Paul, I think the the section you're you're referencing in verse three, that he ties it's a faithful work, loving deeds, enduring hope, that there's this this action tied with the the idea of the virtue of of love, faith, mm. or hope. But like I feel like it's I like will need to be like I think I need to be more mindful about that, like always thinking about that. You know what I mean? Like how am I expressing it? Like yeah. very yeah. like yeah. I think we can tell tell ourselves the stories that we're loving people. But like you say, am I am I actually expressing that? Because I can live inside of my mind and be like, I'm a loving person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if if this X Y Z would happen, I would do this. And we can like tout ourselves as like, oh yeah, I'd be a loving person. And then that X Y Z thing X Y Z thing happens, and we're like, we don't respond in the most loving way. Yeah. But then we tell ourselves that we would. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, and like even like nowadays, I feel like the trend or like because like the question the engaged question was what do others say about you mm-hmm. and then like my first thing like that comes to mind i'm like well i shouldn't care about what others say about oh, me I yeah, feel like yeah, that's yeah. very yeah, much no, no, a thing no, no. I, got, I got that too that was yeah. weird. oh no like i shouldn't care about what other people say about me like their opinion doesn't matter anything like that because then i'm like yeah you know the, who's the opinion who like really matters is like god like what he yeah. thinks of me and stuff like that yeah. i mean so like i was like what i was like this question like should i care like but then you were saying like yeah. about 
like how people see you and like are you expressing your love and i was like but like i don't know like you what do you think of that question like i i had to i still have to wrestle with it because in my i've all like we've always been taught this thing about reputation of like yeah. do your own thing go against the grain it's okay mm -hmm. if people trash talk you if you know that you're doing something right like go ahead and yeah like, there's like undertones of like integrity in that and doing yeah. that stuff but like it seems like what what paul's doing is say that your reputation confirms mm -hmm. like like the the thessalonian church's reputation confirms mm. what yeah. he did in the and like that kind of makes me uncomfortable. Like, yeah. are our reputations signs of what's happening inwardly? And I think yeah. that obviously, yes, but obviously, like, oh man, like, <laughs> yeah. I really gotta watch out for my reputation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like a different focus than like, yeah, do do your own thing. Don't care what people say. To hey, all these people are saying really good things about you. Good job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, how do you how do you how do you hold those two in balance? Yeah, I think that tension that you guys are feeling is one that I. I wrestled with as I thought of what question to ask, mm -hmm. right? And so even that question uh, assumes that there is something important to what other people say about you. Yes. Yeah. Right? And so, I, and I don't think what Paul is advocating here is do all these things so people will say good things mm -hmm. about you. Mm -hmm. What is using it as is an illustration mm -hmm. of saying, hey, like you're living out faithful works. You're living out loving deeds. You're living out an enduring mm -hmm. hope to the extent that everybody around here is talking about you, the Thessalonian church, mm. to the point that I don't even have to talk about it anymore yeah. because you guys are doing it so well. Mm. And so I don't think that we we serve or live and do those things from a capacity of, wow, I'm going to do all these things so others will say all these things about me. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the intention of it, but, but mm -hmm. still, like... Mm -hmm. That's a hard question because I don't know how to like answer that either. Yeah. Like what do other sweets and you know, like I, I don't really know. And yeah. then I'm like, do I want it? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the other thing, right? <laughs> yeah. As we look at the, so what was important to Paul was their faith, hope, and love. Yes. Right. So there's, there's that three and then there's the, the five at the end that they have, or the four that they have a faith in God, hospitality, they turn from idols to serve living God and look forward to the advent. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's kind of, there's three things and four. So there's seven and there's some, whatever. There's two different lists that are kind of the same, yeah, but kind of yeah, different. Yeah. I, I have a question. Okay. So, uh, so it says that, and you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh -huh. um, and then it says like the Lord's message rang out for you, not only there, but your faith has become known everywhere. He's, he's just being like metaphorical, right? Or is he saying that like they were that popular? Or like that 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 their faith was going out to all those places? No, that their faith was going out to all those places. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't No, It's not metaphorical. Really? Hmm. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. I, I mean, like to say everywhere, sure, like sure. every songbird and every like yeah, back alley yeah, cat yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. No, but that's not what he means. But like, I, it is significant uh, from Macedonia to Achaia, and he'll mention. Um, I think it's later in one of the in the letter somewhere. He talks about their testimony actually going. They they have a relationship with the church back in Jerusalem. Hmm. It's like it's going. It's like hmm. it's going that far. Like it, it's ringing out. Like if you if you came to the Grecian Peninsula, you would know about the church of Thessalonica. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That's crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I think I think we don't usually think of success in ministry as um, people know about you. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And well, to, that's a slippery slope, sure, right? Sure, definitely. <laughs> like, again, how do you how do you reconcile those? Yeah. Like yeah. sometimes reputation is a is a is a factor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It is, but we we can't I, 
I think we have to keep our reputation in mind because we don't want to dirty it um, because of who we're because of who we are representing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like we need to like there's a level like the Bible calls us to live as ethical people. Yeah, to, you know to live these mm-hmm. upright righteous lives. Of course, it's by the power of of God in our lives. Sure. We can get so focused on quote unquote, living the ethical upright life that we're doing it in an unethical and unupright way. Mm. Yes. So definitely. we have the definitely. appearance of good. And Jesus has a lot to say about the people <laughs> have the appearance of doing good. Yes. But on the inside are like whitewashed sepulchers. Whole sermon on the mount. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And so we can't, I, I think it's important, but it can't, it can't be the place where we anchor our faith or the place that we come back to as our yeah. cornerstone is the the maintenance of our reputation. Because I think if we live according to the way of Jesus and we walk according to his ways and we live according to the power of the Holy Spirit and as he directs our lives, mm-hmm. our the reputation will follow not because yeah. we're such good people, but because Jesus yeah. mm. is a good person. Yeah, and I think I've literally asked that to you before. I was like, do you ever feel like a lot of pressure to like, mm-hmm. you know, represent God like well at all times? Because like, you know, you're like a pastor. So like, yeah. you don't just like go and like, okay, I'm going home now. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like, it's all good. Go. Yeah, like, yeah. And then I can, like, you know, like you are, you are yeah. like, you're, well, you are a pastor at all times. Not saying that yeah, other yeah. people aren't. You know? Yeah. Well, as from a societal standpoint, I have a, 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 a microscope on my life that maybe others don't. Mm-hmm. And I actually have to, I have to watch out for that. Like when I'm in grocery stores and some other places, like there are times <gasps> when I just want like, I just want to do my thing. Like, you know, I, I don't yeah, need yeah, to, yeah. I don't want to interact with anybody or whatever, <laughs> but I know that, you know, potentially ignoring someone in that public space, they could take at personal offense. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had, um, there's been one person that's come to me very upset because they felt like I ignored them in a particular way. Really? And I said like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like it was not intentional. Like, believe me, I was not intentionally ignoring you. Wait, wow. go more into detail. Tell a story. What happened? Um, I've got to leave that one there. Okay. I've got to leave that one there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I think there's also, well, just from the people that I've talked to, there's like a kind of like humanization process that maybe needs to happen with pastors. Like, like mm-hmm. they're they're part of the flock too. Like, we're, we're all... We're all um, learning. We're all in the same boat and we're yeah. all on the journey together. Yeah. Um, and so that, that kind of happens. But I think that... Not only as pastors or theology people, like all Christians are called to mm. be examples in in faith, and like, yeah, I don't know, it, it m- me being careful of my reputation or like, um, trying to, to to example to other other Christians, even um, needs to come from a place of oh man, I'm a pastor and I need to shape up. No, like it needs to come from a place of like, I'm a Christian. <laughs> And I'm trying to represent Jesus to the yeah. world. And like that means yeah. living differently than other people and acting yeah, differently yeah. and adopting a different way of life. And so. Mm-hmm. Well, and that goes back to the original question that I asked you guys in the beginning of the, qu- of the podcast mm-hmm. is what makes you who you are? Yeah. So does like my position make me who I am? Does yeah. my paycheck make me mm-hmm. who I am? We have to wrestle and grapple yes. with that question because I think the definition of our di- identity is so much far and beyond our yeah. position, academic standing, career. income level, career, career yeah. Et yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, et yeah, and that definitely goes for pastors too. Like, mm-hmm. if you find your identity in being a pastor or in being a minister of the gospel, like, like we we need to find our identity in being yeah. followers yeah. of Jesus. Like I too am a sheep. Of Jesus. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I too am a sheep. What a, what a great yeah yeah outlook. I think a lot of time I put like my identity like 
on like what I've accomplished. Like I correlate those two, you know, like I am who I am because of like this and I am. So like, that's why I'm like struggling to like think like, but like what really Hmm. makes me who I am? It's like not the things. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of of, of Ruthless Elimination of Perry. John Mark Comer talks about Sabbath Mm -hmm. and how that's one of the things that Sabbath does for us is like ground our, our, um, our identity, not in what we do, but Mm -hmm. in, in, in like who we were made to be and who Mm -hmm. God has -hmm. created us to be and God Mm -hmm. himself, like our rest with God defines who we are and our relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. I think identity is huge. Understanding what makes us who we are enables us to fully live out the calling that God has placed in our lives. It helps me be clear with who I am, and it helps you understand who I am as well. And in the midst of me finding my identity, it can help you along the way too. I don't think that there's a silver bullet of like, you know, the, the, the Israelites had it easy because they could go to one of the high priests and the, the high priest had the, the, the Urim and the Thummim, which yep. were two stones that run either side of the breastplate and they could ask yes or no questions. Yes or no questions. <laughs> and whichever, like, Wait, what? So an Israelite could go to the priest and ask uh, a question like, should I marry Oh my goodness, really? Such and so. Yeah, it was, and it was it an would, actual thing. And it would, gl- <laughs> by the power of the Holy Spirit, it would glow a yes or no response depending this on which would be so helpful <laughs> right i'd be like what career like what yeah. do you want me to major in please let me yeah. know should i major in like please, yes yeah. should yeah. i go to southwestern Adventist university that would help so many of like my decisions especially since i'm so indecisive you, that would be so great yeah. yeah so we don't have that anymore no, we don't, unfortunately. Nope. uh and i don't i don't know i i see I don't think God is not a God who changes. Um, there's no shadow of turning within him mm-hmm. or uh, I forget how Al Paul puts it at one point. <laughs> um, or yeah. And, but I think the way that God interacts with us is different. Like he's going to have yeah, a different relationship yeah. with me than he's going to have with you, Eden or with you, Beatrice. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, what it looks like to seek after God's will is a, a recognition of what distracts me from being in God's presence, mm. whether that be social media, media in general, um, music, um, life responsibilities, mm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like recognizing, okay, what takes me out of being in God's presence? Mm. And then a recognition of what allows me to be in God's presence. And I think that a seeking of God's will is a, a life of doing everything you can to be in God's presence mm. or to do everything you can to take away the distractions that don't allow you to be in his presence. But I think the longer that we're in his presence, the clearer that his will is for our lives. Mm. I think that's really helpful because like, I'm like super struggling to like know what like my purpose is. You know what I mean? Mm. I do a lot of things, but then everyone's like, why do you want to do this? Or like, why do you want to do this? And why do you want to do this? And I feel like I've been praying for a long time for like God to give me like clarity, but I, maybe I'm not like preparing myself enough to like, you know, really hear what he's saying. And I don't know. Cause like, does God always give you a straight answer? No, huh. definitely not. Okay. Well, <laughs> wait, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he always has an answer, right? I would say he always has a response. Yeah, not an answer. Sometimes his his response is silence. You're like, oh, shoot. (laughs) It's still an answer, though. Yeah, it is an answer. 
say like you have like two options mm-hmm. that are like potentially like good options. Oh, okay. But like, does God is God like this is a better one? Like, do you think there's a there's an ideal way? Like, is do you think there's like an ideal thing that like God has for your life? You know what I mean? Like it like ideally like you could do this, but ideally he'd want you to do this. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, is there a right? I don't know if it's like right <laughs> or wrong. If, if I, that's the right I, way to like explain it. I don't think it's always so black and white. I think that if if what God wants from us or with us is a partnership, and if He's given us real power and real influence, like Genesis one says that He gave Adam and Eve, um, I I think that that is a little bit more gray than like, hey, please make all my decisions for me, and I will have nothing <laughs> to do in this equation, and you can yeah. just take over everything. Like yeah. He wants to work with us, not only do everything for us, but but do everything with us. Like yeah. we have we have a part to play. Mm-hmm. In our decisions, I think I think God has an ideal will, mm-hmm. um, and in in a, a I think it's clear from Scripture that there's a there was a point where that ideal will was broken as yeah. like a collective, right? So I don't mm-hmm. think God willed for Cain to kill Abel, mm-hmm. and to and take it even a step back, God didn't will for Adam and Eve to fall into sin. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's that's yeah. not I don't think part of God's will, but He allows for those actions to take place because He wants us to have agency in decision making. And so to, to say for my life, for my own life, I believe God has an ideal will for me. Mm -hmm. He's got like, Hey, if every, if you like make all the right decisions, like Mm -hmm. here's the, here's the possibilities, Mm -hmm. but just because maybe you choose something different doesn't change God's perspective of you. Doesn't change how much God loves you. And also God's quick enough on his feet that even if we make one decision here, He's like, okay, this is how that affects he can everything else yeah, he's where not I'm trying to get Beatrice <laughs> to go. And we might just have to okay. take her out in, in, a, in, a different, in a different way. And I also, I, and I think at any point in time, we have the opportunity to deviate from that will. Yeah. Even to the extent of doing it for eternity. Because God's not going to force us into his will mm. if we don't want to be there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because like half the time I'm like, well, like God will like, I feel like God will work. I'm like, I struggle with like, God will work with me no matter like in what, Mm -hmm. like work through me and like no matter in what place I am. But I'm like, but like, is there like something like he would ideally want for me though? Mm -hmm. And like, I kind of want to like follow along with that. But like, I'm like, how can I like know for sure that this is his ideal? So like, that's why. Spending time in the presence of Jesus. Yeah. It'll change you. Getting showered before I go. (laughs) 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 No, it's true. I, you know, I... I think the the more that we in any relationship, the more time we spend with someone, the more we be we reflect who that mm. person is, mm-hmm. right? There's a some psychoanalysis that says that you are the your personality is the reflection of the four closest people in your life. Mm. So wow. you're just a reflection of the the four or five closest people in your life. So I think the same thing applies to our relationship with God. Mm. The more time I spend in the presence of Jesus, the more he is reflected in my life. And I think down to the point of how I make decisions, where I go, what I do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I feel like both of you guys are, this is kind of like off topic a little bit. (laughs) Like both of you guys obviously like give a lot and like work for God a lot, but like how, what do you do to like, you know, like really take him in? Because, you know, I mean, like, is is there a difference? Like, is working for God, are you also, like, receiving 
at the same oh. time. Like, you know, when mm-hmm. you preach on Saturdays, mm-hmm. like, do you count that as like, oh, I'm like receiving in as well or are you pouring out? I'm so glad that Beatrice went here with this question. When she first asked it, uh, so many moments in my life where I think I've been asked to pour out when I was necessarily full. And that's a check in my spirit. How am I living my life in order to be able to pour into others' lives? That's a, that's a gut check. As a pastor, I pour into a lot of people's lives. And maybe, just maybe, sometimes I pour from a place that isn't full of grace. That I pour from a spot that isn't filled with the love of Jesus. So I love how Beatrice asked that. I encourage you to think of the same. How are you pouring into other people's lives and how are you setting your life up so that you can successfully pour into others? I go to First Thessalonians saying, God, what do you have for me? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And then I'm sharing that with others. So I first come to be filled in order to fill others. Um, the danger with that, hmm. um, and you'll you'll run into this in theology school, hmm. Eden, is that there were some people that would stand up and say to pastors, you cannot use your sermon prep time as your devotional time. Huh. Oh, interesting. I don't agree with that statement. I think you can, yes, but that should not be the only thing that you, you use should have for more. your devotional yes. time, right? Yeah, so I don't... And I, I vacillate and there's some guilt because I, I got that beat into me for several years in undergraduate and master's program in, mm. in, in school. It's like you can't use your sermon prep as your devotional time. That's very wise. So there's sometimes I wake up and it's like, oh, should I actually, should I read First Thessalonians <laughs> this morning with my personal devotion? But then like- And then you're I'm trying to avoid prepping. like trying yeah, to like yeah, right? misconstrue. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you, I got you. <laughs> and so I, I vary myself. I don't have a, personally, I don't have a systematic way that I go through scripture or attack um, devotional life or yeah, my like morning readings. It's kind of more like, hey God, where, where do you want me to go today? Cool. And like I go and I'll find something. Holy Spirit yeah. will, will That's be great. guide. Um, but yeah, to, to your specific question, I think we, we must be careful to make sure that we are filled in order to pour out. And some yeah. things are both, but we can't rely on, you know, being involved in campus ministries on campus mm-hmm. and, and XYZ to be like, oh, I got my Jesus time in because I'm yeah. working around other sheep and like, I got my Jesus time in. You can't fill when you're empty. Yeah. 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 I think Jesus, even Jesus... He, he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. He didn't like chill all yeah. the time and then go and like preach a sermon on the mount. Like the, yeah. he was, he, he had, he, he lived, he had a lifestyle of, of like, like being with connection to the father. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of being, um, an apprentice of Jesus means adopting Jesus's lifestyle, which means the prayer and fasting and all these things yeah. besides preaching sermons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like going into theology and, and preaching and like even being a Christian is so much more than preaching sermons. It's like, yes. You're, you're, it's a whole new world. And if yeah. I, at least in my experience, I think that you're, um, like as you progress in your relationship with Jesus, but reading the Bible, it's not a chore. It's like, um, like you, you would actually enjoy it. And so yeah. like, like, like you, you open up the Bible and like, I can't wait to read more. Like I spend like so much time in my Bible, not because I have to, or because like I, I would feel bad of my relationship with God if I didn't, but because like, it's genuinely really interesting. Like yeah. it's genuinely really fun. Yeah. And I think that you just, you, you're, 
you, the desire of your heart starts to change so much that you're like, this is what I do. Like, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And like, the, it mm -hmm. just starts to change. So I feel like, and then at least in my very, very limited experience of preaching, I, um, I, <laughs> I tend to just preach, like you said, like, like, what is, what do I learn from this? And then how can I apply this to like a community of some sorts yeah. or whatever I'm preaching to? And so it's, yeah. it's kind of just like an outpouring of what you are already experiencing. Like you're yeah. inviting people to experience the reality of being a Christian alongside with you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would say 99% of the words I say in a sermon apply directly to my life. Like I'm you. saying it, <laughs> I'm wow. saying it first and foremost to me. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it just, so I'll like, you guys are in the room too. Cool. Like <laughs> I'm preaching this for myself. Like, sure, I need to hear sure. it. <laughs> Which makes it so much more real. Yes. Cause you're like, this is genuine. It's yes. not like me, like just like saying fancy rhetoric that makes yeah. me sound cool. And here's sound like here's I know the things about. you guys need to deal with hmm. or here's what you need to work out. It's like, no, I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's me <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But do you ever think that there was a time that, like, this could be for both of you guys, but do you guys ever think that there was a time that, like, you were asked to, like, pour out, but you really had nothing to give? Oh, definitely. Like, how, what, what about you? like, what did you do? Yes. <laughs> it's not often, or like. <laughs> often. Wow. Often. More, more regularly than um, I would, I would like to admit. Mm. It's, it's happened to me before, and it, it makes me not want to do it again. <laughs> like, like you go through it and you're like, man, I only made through, like, I only got through that by the grace of God. Like I, yeah. I did not have enough, yeah. um, to, like there was one a week this past, was it this past semester, last semester? I don't know. I had like three speaking engagements in the same week and it was like, like a Bible study and, um, and like two, like a sermon, uh, a sermon for a chapel and then a sermon for, for upper room. And I was like trying to juggle all these three and all three were on like completely different topics. And like, I like <laughs> to like dive deep into my thing. So mm -hmm. I was like crazy reading commentaries and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I have no time like yeah. for myself and my relations. Like, I don't feel like this is <laughs> how it should be. And so I, I ended up getting through it and I, I, a lot of prayer. Yeah. Um, but I, I learned that like, there needs to be some modifications to how I do, yeah. like how, like my commitments to different things and like my priorities. And like, first, it's not going to work if my priorities are not straight. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. One that sticks out of my mind was, oh, was it April, May, June of last year, 2020, mm -hmm. when everybody went into lockdown and we didn't have worship services for like five months mm. and i spent like i don't know every week you're pouring into this live stream and like trying to help people connect in online and there's just nobody around mm. and it's hard to you just like so much energy into that and there's no feedback mm. you're just like speaking into this void of, yeah. like i hope people hear i hope people listen uh and it got to the point that um my wife and i literally had to leave the state we went up to colorado on a road trip and we spent five days in the mountains. It's and beautiful. that was like it's beautiful. And I came back from that like, okay, all right. <laughs> I, uh, you know, and like, and I resonate with that. Like, you're pouring in. You got this. You got that. You got that. Yeah. And it just got to a point. Where it's like I got to take a step back. And I feel myself at that point. At that point, right now, not as severely, I don't think. But it's like I need to like find spaces in my life to step back so that I make sure that I'm full, living from a place of, of grace and understanding of what God is doing in my life. And I'm not like white knuckling myself hmm. through life. Yeah, yeah. In my my rediscovery of the Bible and me like um, growing, not, not with like changing or like what, restarting in my faith, but just like discovering Jesus in a new way, it sometimes it has sometimes led me to to question Adventism. 
Like, I, I, I want to be honest. Like, I, I, I've questioned like our the emphasis of our our faith and the emphasis of our Advent. But I guess it was it's very reassuring, especially to come to Paul, who is not particularly known for his um, eschatology or like um, like his end time thing. Like, you usually go to Revelation or, mm-hmm. or Daniel mm-hmm. or something. Um, but to for him to end such a good chapter with we're looking forward to Jesus to come from heaven. I, it's just reassuring yeah. that that is yeah, one yeah. of his major points mm-hmm. too. And I guess like it reassures me in our, our emphasis yeah. on the second coming yeah. that, that it's actually, it's, it's a thing mm-hmm. like, like we, we are, this is part of being a Christian and an important part of being a Christian is looking forward to like balancing, working for Jesus now and um, waiting for Jesus to come. Yeah. Yeah. Like how that is, they're both intricate parts and we have to hold that in balance. Yeah, because yeah, I think I am the type of person who definitely like looks forward to things, but then I like miss the process, you know? I don't mm. like fully enjoy it. So I'm like, so now I'm trying to think like, let me like enjoy the journey too, not yeah. just, because I always like focus on and then like, okay, it's achieved. And then like, here's the next thing, what's the next thing? That's why I feel like sometimes I'm always like stressed because I'm like, I'm always <laughs> focusing on the next, I'm like, wait, let's just think about like what's going on right yeah. now. What are, yeah. are you guys like the process type of people or like looking, looking forward type of people? Yeah. Both. I, I guess you could be both, right? I'm very much process. I think mm, I, I that's what I in, like. My inclination is towards. That's yeah. why I, I don't know. Like I feel like even like like I don't think that you're loaded. Like the whole future thing. Like that's a very big emphasis in our church, and I think that other churches kind of stress more like social stuff and like um, the here and now. Like mm-hmm. it's all good. Like whatever happens in the future, just focus on the now. But I think that they're both important. Like mm-hmm. they're both unique mm-hmm. perspectives that need to be held at the same time. Yeah. And I think that some churches go go on on too far to one side or too far to the other, but but holding them both in perspective, which I think Ellen White did very well. That's yeah. that's something I've been seeing in her literature is like she both very much looked forward to the coming of Jesus, but mm-hmm. also very much had a lot to say about how we live our lives now. Yeah. yeah. Um and I yeah. think that we as as Adventists and as Christians, we this is something that is very important to learn how to live in that tension between yeah. the here or the now and, and the later and the future. And like, yeah. What, what yeah. do you think? Uh, what one of the major emphasis of the letters to the church in Thessalonica, it centers around a hope in the second coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And every chapter in first Thessalonians finishes with a vision of the second coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You go and look at the last couple verses of every chapter, all five chapters, and they talk about Jesus' second coming. Mm. So that's very important wow. to Paul. And it was very important for Paul to mention that to the believers in Thessalonica and the Thessalonian church, that as they're going about their churchy lives, their community lives, that they've got this yeah. look towards the future. And so mm. like you've mentioned, there's a, there's a balance there, right? There's lives that we have to live now. Yeah. And I and I think I mentioned the part of that in the in the message this week that we can we can be looking up at the sky for Jesus to come. Yeah. And that look up enables our look out. Hmm. That look up enables enables our reach out so that like we know where we're headed. Hmm. And we want to help everybody else that's around us get there as well. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate Retake and more than just enjoying it. I hope it challenged you a little bit. We talked about a lot of stuff and it got personal, it got deep, and we want to invite you into that conversation. So if you've got a response, some feedback, maybe you have a a question, something that you would like to ask or respond, maybe there's something that didn't set with you right, uh, you'd like to reach out, 
uh, give us a call. You can do that by engaging with us on our social media platforms, links in description, or you can send us a message with the link that's in the description as well. So it's my hope and prayer that this episode is a blessing to you and that you will continue to walk in the way of Jesus. That the joy of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the gospel, maybe it's the other way around, maybe the joy of the gospel and the presence of the Holy Spirit probably both work, that they would be with you always, everywhere that you go. Till next time, we'll see you right here at Elevate Retake.